Hey, Soraya, how are you doing today? I am good. How about you? I'm doing great. Looks like you're in a good mood today. Well, you usually well, are. Well, look, I'm always in a good mood. <laughs> but I was, I was it say is that. Saturday and it's still summer. And um, today's topic is a fun one. It's taken us a while to come, come back around to this topic. Why don't you let our listeners know what we're doing today? Yeah, so today we're talking about the Bengals' Different Light album. Um, I'm holding up my CD copy, my nice price CD copy. Um, so I think it was three or four weeks ago, we um, we did our episode on Days of Wine and Roses. Yes. And we had realized that we hadn't spent a whole episode focusing on that. And then we did an episode on 16 Tambourines. And we did an episode on Emergency Third World Power Trip. So we figured it's time to do a Bengals focus, right? Ooh. So part of the series, right? So we got to come yes. around. So, so we're going to talk about the Bengals different light. Um, and we also have a special guest joining us for yes. this conversation. Yes, we do. An expert because Soraya, we are fans, but we're not experts. You know, one could say that you and I don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> but we have a good time knowing nothing. But we have a good time and, and it comes from the heart. So, yes. but uh, today we're actually joined by Eric Shade, who is, uh, has a forthcoming book um, yes. on the bangles. And uh, we just thought it'd be fun to bring him in to talk about bangles, something he's super passionate about and knows quite a bit about. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So are you ready for some awesome music? Shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. I hear you, Eric. Hey, very good. Woo. Hey, nice to How see the both of you. You well, too. Well, we can't see you. Oh, no? Uh-oh. No. Hang on, hang on. Let me see. Uh, yeah, let me start that up. Okay, there we go. Yay! Hey. Hi! Hey! Good to see you. Great to see you, well, virtually face-to-face. -face. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Eric, we're very happy to have you on the show because I was just telling Soraya, I go, we're fans, but we're not experts by any means. So a lot of times we're just rambling on about research <laughs> that we've done. Most of it is crowdsourced resource. So uh, you have had the pleasure of interviewing a, quite a bit of people that are, are directly involved with the band. So we're glad to have you on the show, Eric. Well, well, thank you. And, and, and you do flatter me by saying I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a, an uber fan, let's put it that way. Um, and my research is a labor of love uh, for folks like you and for all your watchers out there. Your webcast has, has provided me with information and I hope I can give some back, so. Oh yeah, I don't have any doubt about that, Eric. <laughs> so so we're, we were telling our listeners about your upcoming book. Yes. Do you want to tell our listeners about this book that you're putting together? And you're, I yes. think you're close yes. to the finish line here, right? I The writing is done. And now we're just uh, waiting on the printers and uh, the uh, 
the cover designer to finish up their work. And I'm hoping within the next month, six weeks, we should be in business. And uh, so, yes. so you're getting the exclusive here. Um, it's called All Over the Place, The Rise of the Bangles out of the LA under, Underground. And when I started writing this, uh, I was happy when I hit five, you know, 50,000 words. We're, we ended up at over 180,000 words. So wow. <laughs> it just kept going and going. And I just, the more people I talked to led down different avenues. And it just, uh, honestly, I, I could have probably kept on going. <laughs> but well. uh, why didn't I? Well, I wanted to focus mostly on the pre-fame days before Manic Monday hit. I do venture into that and going up to recent times, but I wanted to focus mostly on those early days that where most people don't really know the ins and outs, the who's and what for's and where's and why's. And, And that's what I wanted to do to mostly focus on. Nice. So with that mostly accomplished, uh, <laughs> I wanted to tie up all those loose ends. So that's pretty cool. I think I accomplished my goal. I hope so anyway. We'll find out in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's, first of all, I think it's really good that people, you know, not so many fans are really interested in this early history and that you took your time and sought out, you know, a way to kind of give fans that history um, in in a very tangible form. And one of the things that Jeff and I talk about a lot while doing this podcast is, you know, we started and we said, it'll probably be just us and a couple of our friends listening. And what we found out is there's this really large community of people who love music and really enjoy the scene. And so I think your book is going to help especially a lot of us that are fans of this scene of, to know just a story that maybe has been talked about or, you know, like we hear little snippets and yes. I'm really looking forward to having your book in, in my hands. And as uh, Eric noted, while the book deals with pre, you know, bangles before Manic Monday, we're now dealing with an album that has Manic Monday. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I don't know, maybe we should jump in. Yeah, let's do that. And um, Eric, we would love to have you back when the book comes out in six weeks, two oh, months. Sure. Yeah, but we'd, we'd love to dig in deeper to that. But yeah, so today's topic, we did want to focus on this album, Different Light. Um, we picked out a few songs from it, Soraya. We each picked a song from each side. Wow, and this time it's a, we've got uh, both sides represented. That's good. We it's did, yeah. And then I picked two songs that had the same songwriting team and the same singer. And you I picked completely different ones. <laughs> you did. And you picked two of the four tracks, I believe, that were outside writers. So both of yours had outside writers, I think. Anyways. Um, uh, uh, yeah, at least one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Eric, is, is there anything that you no, um, I know you were talking about pre-Manic Monday. Is there anything that, any general information you know about the album that you can share with our listeners? Uh, yes, where do I begin? Um, I do venture into 
uh, the recording of Different Light, uh, pretty pretty much, because I really it really highlighted the problems and the stresses that fame was giving the Bangles at that time uh, okay. with the recording and what happened subsequently when the big time hit. So I really wanted to um, put that on display. Oh, okay. I, I actually, the book starts with the wonderful quote that Debbie gives where from 1986, after Different Light has been released, where she says, you know, it's great to be famous. I'm, I'm, I'm surmising here, but it's great to be famous, but, you know, I, I, I miss the clubs. Mm. And I think that just sums up the whole uh, feeling of, of, of my work that I was really shooting for. I didn't want, I don't want to sound like it's a downer, like, like success was, was a terrible thing for them. Right. But, you know, you, uh, sometimes you get what you ask for and, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Let's put it that way. So. Well, I think, I think we really can't argue the fact that different light shows the band moving in a different direction. We have the inclusion of Michael Steele. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Annette is, is not in this lineup and this is where we start to see this kind of this rise of this commercial rise of, of the band, you know, out of the clubs and moving into a completely different arena. It's a different sound. Oh, yes. There are, yes. There are pieces, there are songs on this album that remind me of Bangles pre-Different Light. And then we just start to hear this very different sound beginning to develop. Um, some interesting, uh, Jeff, Jeff is really, really big fan of track listings and where <laughs> things are placed. And I think this is a really uniquely ordered um, listing. Wouldn't you say, Jeff, this one's a little oh, yeah. different? Absolutely, yeah. And the production is so much different. I mean, with All Over the Place, you had um, Hero Takes a Fall and going down to Liverpool, making it onto MTV or 120 Minutes or whatever. But when Manic Monday hits and you got Walk Like an Egyptian, it's just, it, they just soar, right? I mean, popularity becomes just, uh, I mean, it's just so much greater with this album. And the production to me is just at a, at a totally different level too. Um, for my personal taste, not necessarily a good thing production wise, but I mean, the production is just so much cleaner, so much brighter, uh, so much more commercial than you would hear with the earlier stuff. So yeah, absolutely, Soraya. Um, just different. Just yeah. different. So Eric, yes, yes. Um, in, in my interviews, I spoke to people like Mike Gormley, who was their manager at LAPD, along with Miles Copeland. And <clears throat> he, he told me that you know, after All Over the Place really caught on with the college crowd and the radio on you know the west coast he approached the executives at columbia records on the east coast saying hey we're going to start gearing up for their follow-up and he discovered that they considered the bangles just that little girl group from la they, they gave them no respect whatsoever. And he, he fought hard to give them their due. Wow. That this, isn't, this is a group of talent. This is a group that 
should be noticed. And they're not a, a fluff piece. And when they played um, in New York with all the executives there, they finally took notice and they pushed for their follow-up, Different Light, very hard. And that also related to how it was produced because David Kahn not only was their producer, but he was also an A&R man. So he was, had the direct, uh, the directive from the up, you know, the up at the uppers <laughs> that, uh, hey, we're going to make this a hit and we're going to push it hard and we want you to deliver. So that sometimes lended to friction, especially with Debbie, as we, as the stories all <laughs> are, are, are famous now, the, the, the friction between Debbie and David Kahn. But uh, he did exactly what he, he was supposed to do. He, he launched them into superstardom. And I don't know if an, uh, another all over the place part two would have done that. So probably not. Probably not. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that part of the story. That's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. So a, a question about the release. Um, so as you mentioned, Different Light comes out on Columbia. Um, and the date on the back is 1985. I've heard conflicting or read conflicting dates. So was this actually released in 1985 or yes. January 86? I've heard January 86 as well. It, it was the last uh, few days of 85. Okay. Uh, it, it leaked out in a few limited, um, I wouldn't say leaked out, but it had a, like a, a, a two stations and reviewers and stuff. It okay. officially came out in, in January to the public at large, but it oh. was already starting to circulate in December of 85. Yes. Okay. That makes, that clears it up. I'm glad you're here. You are the expert. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Cause I had seen a uh, conflicting thing. So Soraya, let's get into some of the songs, right? So yes. speaking about leaking, we told a couple of our close friends what songs we picked and we got a little bit of uh, guff for not picking Manic Monday, didn't we? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes. So, so if you want to hear Manic Monday, turn on your radio to an oldies station. <laughs> You'll hear Manic Monday, which is a great song. It's an absolutely amazing song, as we know, written by Prince or Christopher, as uh, their credit <laughs> there is. There you go. <laughs> and then uh, the, the second song from Side One is the title track or a version of the title track in a different light. And then we get into your first song, don't yeah. we? Yeah. So my first pick is Walking Down Your Street. And I picked this one because it had a unique writing team. So we've got the, the lyrics are credited to uh, Susanna Hoffs, Louis Gutierrez, which fans may remember from three o'clock. And David, do you say Khan? Khan. Khan, thank you. Um, and... Uh, Here's the thing. This is a this is a song that reminds me of you know pre you know an earlier version of the Bangles. But I love Susanna's voice on this mm-hmm. song. And it's such a catchy tune. Like this song, I feel like it's plucked out of the 60s and put into the 80s. And it's still it to me it's still very real. I I like it. It's still a really good song written very well 
And I mean, I gotta love the fact that Luis Gutierrez is, you know, fan of one of our friends of the show and it's someone that we appreciate. Um, I love his musicianship on this song. So walking down your street. Eric, is there anything that you want to talk about about this song, or should we play it first and talk later? Oh, uh, well, we, if you want to get into a little bit of the writing, uh, yeah, as, as you said, as you said about David Kahn having a credit on it. Now that's that's an interesting point. He has a few credits on several songs on Different Light, but were they deserved? That's <laughs> up for debate. Um, even Your Miles opinion. Yes. Well, even Miles Copeland took issue with that because what would happen during the sessions is that the, the ladies would come in with their ideas and he would say, well, maybe the bridge needs some tinkering or you might want to rewrite that section. And he would offer up his ideas. They would come back saying, hey, this is, this is how we're going to fix it. And he's like, Nah, I don't like that. I'm, we're going to do it my way. Wow. Uh, which sounds harsh. It does sound harsh. It, it sounds very harsh. But, you know, uh, as I said earlier, you know, he did make these songs into big, big hits. Uh, That's undeniable too, right? Yes. I mean, we can't even argue that fact. His, uh, his approach may be lacking, but you can't argue the results. That's for sure. That's for so, sure. So for, for doing things like that, he got his credits. Some say that he wanted a piece of the copyright pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Soraya, are you ready to listen to it then? Hell yeah. Walking down your street.
You like that one, Soraya. Man, those harmonies, they're just, oh, it just takes you. It just makes you happy. I just, I love hearing them sing together. The harmonies from the beginning have been something that I just, I, I, I don't know. Just these voices come together and it's beautiful music, no matter what. Really catchy tune. And there's now that I'm listening one more time, I'm like, ooh, that guitar part, I really like that. Oh, I like that too. I don't know. <laughs> to me, yes. Okay, I didn't pick Manic Monday, <laughs> but there's so many great songs on this album. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Susanna said that she was going for a Supreme's Shangri-La's vocal on that wow. one. There so, you go. Of course, you always, get, you always get the great harmonies with the bangles. That's one thing you can count on. Yes. Yeah, that was um, of, the, of the small batch of songs that they did have before they went into the studio to record Different Light. That was the most recent. And that one was already almost a year old. Uh, she wrote wow. that, yeah. She wrote that with with Greg, um, the previous spring, uh, about the time when they were recording the Goonie soundtrack. Oh, nice. Yes. nice! And it was called Desire at the time. That was the working title. And oh. when they went to the studio, it was one of the first songs they they tried to tackle. And originally, before Manic Monday showed up, that was slated to be the first single oh you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> yes fans, fans <laughs> the that's why we have eric here <laughs> yes oh my gosh these are amazing details <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so eric um th there's also a recorded version by lewis and clark um, lewis gutierrez band so was this version actually recorded prior to that one this was, yes, the, the, the Bangles version came out first and the Lewis and Clark came out, oh, it wasn't terribly long after the the single, Walking Down Your Street, the Bangles single came out, maybe three, four months later. Okay. And the Lewis and Clark is probably a little more faithful to how it was originally envisioned when they wrote it. It's a little more bass driven, it's a little heavier um it lacks those great harmonies but oh, yeah. it, it yeah. it's probably a little closer to the mark of what was originally in mind when it was composed interesting interesting and there's, and there's also a 12 inch single of, of that lewis and clark track if you can find it hey hard to find i've been looking for years so yeah, I, I yeah there's a remix all. of that so wow yeah Soraya, I need to go looking. Uh, I think we both do, and uh, I'm nowhere near it completest, but now I really want this. <laughs> and if, Eric has, if Eric's been looking for years and hasn't found it, <laughs> I'm just going to get in line. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're just going to go right behind Eric. That's it. So Eric, you mentioned it being a single. This album had five singles, right? So Manic Monday, um, Walking Down Your Street, Walk Like an Egyptian We Know, if she knew what she wants and i believe in the uk they released following right that... right it actually only in the uk it, it did even chart in i think it was ireland wow um but uh we didn't get it here 
no. unfortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, do you have it? Yes. I have wow. three different versions of it. I have the 12 inch, <laughs> the, the wow. standard, and I also have the special edition that came with a, a set of, of buttons, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, 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 the sleeve folds out into a little mini poster, so it's pretty cool. They always get the good stuff over in, in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it came to singles, they, they all always went all out. Yeah, that is really cool to know. Yeah. Okay, Jeff, we got, we got ground to cover now. Yeah. Eric's at the bar, super high. Yeah, I don't have anything from the UK whatsoever. <laughs> all right, so we go from walking down your street to walk like an Egyptian right afterwards, two walking songs back to back. And as we know, um, walk like an Egyptian became huge. Again, it was another outside writer. I think the... They were listening to tapes that were provided to them. Is that right for Walk, Walk Like an Egyptian? Yes. When they came up short with compositions, because they were on the road so long, they just didn't really have time. They were pulling in ideas from old songs they had, they had written years and years before, which we'll get to. And uh, David Kahn was also, because he's of his ties with various uh composition copyright organizations he would uh, bring in demo tapes all the time and and uh, you know say this one sounds like a hit you want to give this one a shot you know so yeah they were uh yeah bombarded with ideas oh okay. uh, with that yes <laughs> wow. so they went with it and obviously it was a huge hit and it was the right decision for them to make because it was it, that just blew up. Um, then we go to standing in the hallway, um, which uh, with a Debbie Susanna song, um, and uh, credit David Kahn sneaks in here too and gets a little bit of credit for, for credit for lyrics. And then we come to my song. So the last song on side one is Return Post, um, little bluesy song, and the the harmonies on this to me are one of the best harmonies on this album. So I had to. I had to pick this song, but um, is there anything that you could tell us about Return Post? This is is one of those that I was hinting about being an old, you know, having its origins going way back. So far back, we're talking about the time when Vicky was in college. She's, wow. When she was in US, uh, UCLA uh, for a few years, she didn't graduate. She dropped out before she graduated, <laughs> but she was an English major. And she wrote this in class, it was wow. a song that was originally called um, Ain't Good Enough to Say Love. Oh. And she would pass notes back and forth with Amanda Hills, who oh. was their bass player back when they were um, called the Muse. They were the Muse oh. at this time. So Vicky, Debbie, and Amanda. And when the sessions for Different Light rolled around, and they were scrambling for compositions. She dug up this old song. She took the first verse, kind of reworked it a little bit, called it in Susanna, say, help me finish this off. And return post is the result. Wow. With Vicky singing, um, I again, I think these harmonies are just amazing, especially towards the end of the song. But little bluesy number. And Soraya, I had no idea about this coming out of an English class at UCLA, your alma mater, right? My alma mater. And see, now I shouldn't give my students uh, 
the business when they're passing notes in class and goofing <laughs> off because maybe I have a budding songwriter that's gonna give some gem <laughs> to music lovers everywhere. So excellent. So this is a lesson learned. Yep. <laughs> All go. right. Well, let's go ahead and listen to it and we can talk about it afterwards um, if there's anything to talk about. So here's Return <laughs> Post, the last song on side A. them out almost immediately don't know what it's done to me well it's cold it's wet it's been raining all night and there's a letter i've been trying to write something better waiting somewhere for me
I always wondered how long that jam would have went on for if it hadn't faded out. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it it's neat because it goes into, I mean, there's a little beat change in there at, at that last yeah. minute. And it sounds almost kind of swampy, like Credence Clearwater or something, maybe produced in the 80s, but that little <laughs> swampy kind of yeah. bluesy thing. That that end jam is 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 really hypnotic. You know, and you just kind of, and I agree with you, Eric. I'm like, okay, I wish someone would have just let the tape run a little longer. <laughs> but, but to me, it just highlights, especially because, so we have, you know, the body of the song and now I can't hear it any differently than thinking it was such an early draft that came back. Like now I hear it a little differently, but it, that end jam to me really highlights how amazing these four musicians are because that guitar riff okay so like i'm here i i can pick out that's vicky i i can hear vicky's playing i hear debbie and then like today i just heard that bass line it's really deep funky bass i'm like damn this is this is it's just they're so good and then to me it's the comment you made earlier or the anecdote that you share that, you know, they had been kind of dismissed as this, oh, that's that girl band from LA. And I'm like, man, these are four badass chicks. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. oh, really great musicians. And I think that end jam to me is just like, when they played this it. live, it was, it was a lot heavier. Um, and I think this was probably a result of David Kahn. But in this case, I, I, I do think I prefer this kind of restrained, and your 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 comparison to CCR, I think, is is dead on. That never even occurred to me. But I think you're right on this case. That 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 jam. Uh, I I think he 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 made the right move with this one. I I think he I think this is a, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna ask that later on in the episode. Right here first. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. And uh, you said that about the walking songs, "Walk Like an Egyptian Walking Down Your Street." Well. This doesn't have walking in the title, but we know that this was polished off during a walk. Um, Sue and Vicky, when they were finishing up writing it, they were walking down Franklin Avenue in Hollywood. And wow. uh, it's like, okay, another one in the, <laughs> another one wow. to submit. That's wow. amazing. That is amazing. We're getting all kinds of tidbits here. I'm loving all this, Eric. I think we got to have you on a couple more times. Get, I know. You, get through different albums and hear different. Hey, different... I'm here for you. <laughs> Bravo. It, it's nice to have someone that knows what they're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, Jeff and I don't. So we flip, <laughs> we flip the record and it starts off with this song. So I got this picture disc. It's actually, I don't know if you can see it, but it's actually a single. Um, yeah, so a, a picture disc for if she knew what she wants. Um, my buddy Frank Dragato from the JFJ Conspiracy gave me this little shaped picture disc. But side two starts if she knew what she wants, right, Soraya? Yeah. So this was also uh, a song. I'm guessing, Eric, this came later when they were looking for extra songs because it was, wasn't written by the band. No, that, that one was written by Jules Shear, um, who was starting to really be noticed uh, after he wrote uh, All Through the Night, which was a hit for Cyndi Lauper. Right. Now he had been around for a while. He was, was, was with the Polar Bears before that, but even predating that, he worked with 
a band called the Slow Children. If, oh, I if, love them. And Michael right. Steele, right? There's exactly, exactly. So Mickey knew Jules uh, going way back. So we're talking 1978, 79. And they met up again they were reunited at a rock and bowl effect uh, <laughs> event for charity nice, nice and nice. they went to um you know they, they got together and they went back to his hotel room uh jewels and the bangles and they wrote again that song for the goonies soundtrack i got nothing i love that song and that kind of got like the gears rolling well what else does jewels have to offer you know when they were looking for for songs and his eternal return album had just come out and as as great as it was the second single which was supposed to be um if she knew his version of it didn't get released uh unfortunately they pulled the plug on it but the bangles knew of it they heard it and their management was actually pushing for it because they knew the song had potential. So they recorded it and I think they did it brilliantly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a good choice for sure. Again, one of the singles from mm -hmm. one of the records. Yeah, very good choice. And the, the band is amazing at doing cover versions of Hazy Shade as an example. Yeah. Um, so many great songs that they can take and just reinterpret and just add their harmonies into it. Just amazing. So up next, Let It Go, song written by all members of the band, sung by all members of the band. So very, uh, very across the board with all members. And then we get to your next pick, right, Soraya? Yes. So listeners of the show know that I will never turn down a good cover. <laughs> and this and this album gave me, I think, one of my favorite covers that I've heard in a very, very long time. I'm a big star fan. So to hear the Bengals sing September Girls, um, I, I don't know. I just I think it was the arrangement is really good. I love Michael's vocals on this and uh, I feel like I should be calling her Mickey. I, I always like want to be respectful Michael Steele um but uh it's a great song I think it really fits uh Michael's uh vocals really well and um I I just like it I like it a lot I've heard it enough times live to just be, fall in love with it every time over again and uh Eric what can you share about this song and this choice well this song I think is probably uh the most representative of the Paisley family, because not only Michael, but Susanna and Vicky all love Big Star, but they all came together through a different path. Susanna was introduced to them back when she was in college herself with David Roback, mm -hmm. and Vicky found out about them at the Spock Hotel when she was sharing the house with uh, Steve Wynn. Right. He introduced her to, to Big Star and, and Mickey through her various travels turned on to it. So they all said, hey, why not try this one? And Michael's like, I'm doing it. 
<laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> that one's mine. And, and she does a, a fairly uh, faithful um, cover of it. I mean, it's 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 not. It doesn't diverge much from from the big star version, but it's got that little extra bangle something that I think makes it makes it special. I agree. Let's yeah. listen to it. We'll talk about it a little more after September Girls. such a earnest version of the song you know i i just like it so much yeah, yeah. and we were talking about um, michael Steele joining the band and um, of course she was on all over the place but right. hearing her in a lead vocal and obviously a well-deserved spot and i i like your story eric the, the antidote about michael saying this is mine and i think what makes this song even more special is that the royalties for the song is what got Alex Chilton back on its feet because uh, he had pretty much washed his hands of the music business after Big Star and he was, <laughs> he was living pretty rough at the time. 
and they and before different light came out he was with playing with the panther burns at the palace and Susanna and Michael ran into him saying, hey, we just recorded your song. You want to hear it? You know, we have it on a cassette out in the, out in the tour van. And his response was, eh, I just hope it makes me some money. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. And, and then after it came out, he gave an interview where he said, you know, they said, have you heard the Bangles version of, of September Girls? What, what do you think? And he's like, no comment. Oh. <laughs> but, but um, when the Bangles found out that he was living so, so hard, you know, uh, sleeping on people's couches and, you know, no phone, no TV, they, and they made sure that he got his royalties because wow. through all the red tape, you know, it sometimes takes a little time for it to filter down. They just wrote him a check. I think it was for $17,000 right off the bat, sent it to him. And that's wow. what got the ball rolling. And he got back on his feet and started making some music again with making some albums and got himself a house. And so that was his little rags wow. to riches story. So I think he could be a little surly sometimes. You had to catch him on a good day, but I, I, I don't think he could deny that the Bengals and that 70s show helped a little later yeah. on. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, but the Bengals really helped him get back on his feet. So Wow. And I was very curious about their introduction to the band Big Star because Big Star, uh, a lot of hipsters know Big Star now. But back in the early 80s, even though they started off in the 70s, a lot of people didn't know about the band. Yeah. So I, I would have assumed that they all came to it at the same time, the same way. But I'll, the each of the what you're telling us is they learned about the band big star from these different avenues that's incredible to me yeah. this is the first that i've heard that so yeah it's it's kind of like the velvet underground you know back in the 60s when right. they came out no one really listened to them no one knew who they were but the hip people the people that really uh had their pulse on on the music scene they said oh you gotta you gotta check these guys out and it was through word of mouth and that's how Big Star was too. You know, they people caught on to them after the fact, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah, I think they're getting their due now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they everybody eventually came around. Yesterday I went record shopping with my buddy and we just we were going to hit as many record stores as we could hit up in LA at the same uh, on the same day. So we ended up hitting up four record stores and um I picked this up yesterday which is a tribute album called Big Star, Small World. And it's got some great acts on here, for at least people that I like. So Jen Blossoms, Afghan Wigs, Matthew Sweet, Juliana Hatfield, Whiskey Town, Teenage Fan Club, The Posies, of course, Wilco. So many bands that I really like doing covers. But one thing that I thought was interesting is there's no version of September Girls. I think because once the Bengals did the, the definitive cover version, Nobody's going to touch it at <laughs> that point. I mean, awesome. we, yeah, so That's good pick, Sarai, good pick. So then we go on um, down side two and we come to my second song, which was the B-side on this <laughs> picture disc, and that's Angels Don't Fall in Love. And to me, this song is, it's an up-tempo song. I could actually hear this um, as more of the garage 
band version of the Bengals, um, minus the very clean, nice production that they do. But as as an arrangement, as a, a style of song, in my mind, I actually hear this as the garage band version of of the Bengals, which is my favorite era of the band. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I love it. And it's again co-written by Vicky and Susanna Hoffs, like my first pick. And it, uh, Vicky's singing it, but again, the, the harmonies are amazing. But um, Eric, do you know anything about this song? I was going to bring that up too. I think this, this of all the different light songs, this is the one that probably could have fit on all over the place. And in that regard, this song came out around that era. Well, oh. it was starting to be composed around that era. An embryonic version of this song appeared during their live shows as early as December of 83. Wow. And Yes, it was. Um, there's a there's a tape of them playing at the Keystone in Palo Alto. Okay. It's it's not the same song yet, but there are elements in there that that they revived when they put together "Angels Don't Fall in Love." So again, this is another song that they were kicking down the road for a while till till it finally came into place. Wow! Wow! Mm -hmm. So that makes perfect sense. I'm glad that you shed that light on that because I, I didn't know that that the song had been around for a few years at this point. But I say we give it a listen and let's rock out to Angels Don't Fall In Love. <laughs> Oh, 
of Goonies soundtrack, those little xylophones or glockenspiel or bells or whatever that is at the end kind of reminds me of that. But <laughs> I love the, the breakdown when um, Mickey plays that bass part and she does this mm-hmm. little bendy mm-hmm. part at the end uh, before they start to build back up. But I, I love that song. It's, it's, yeah. This is one of my favorites. From yeah. that Apparently the inspiration was born out of uh, a Haley Mills film uh, called The Trouble with Angels. Oh, the song has nothing to do with that, but uh, <laughs> apparently the title was enough to 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 launch oh. a there you uh, go. composition. I love that part where they get to that trouble is trouble is at the oh, end. Oh, the, the vocals yeah. are great. Uh, that you know, you stand at the gate and then Susanna comes in, and you know, you wait and wait. You know that that's <laughs> like the Beatles. You know, uh, getting better. You know, it's like right. Paul's like better, better, better. And Paul, going to get much worse. <laughs> um, nice comparison. I, that, I like that. Very yeah, nice. I think that uh, I think that kind of shows the best parts of the Peterson Hoff's composition um, songwriting partnership. I would agree. Nice, nice. I wish, you mentioned- I wish there would have been more of that when everything rolled around. But agreed. 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 So, Eric, you mentioned Paul McCartney. Um, Paul McCartney's guitar player, Rusty Anderson, is credited on this album. I don't know where or when he plays. Do you happen to know? It's not exactly sure. Uh, there's no real breakdown of who's playing what on Different Light. But we do you can there are some instances through interviews and and reflections that we do know that there's someone else playing besides the bangle uh, going back to september girls that kind of backwards sounding bridge part that's not vicky uh oh. now I, I don't know if that's rusty but uh that's one of david Kahn's ringers filling in for that part okay they say that Rusty did do the solo in Walk Like an Egyptian. I can't confirm oh. that one, but okay. <laughs> but he, he's there. It's just hard to pick out who's playing what in some things. So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That, that would be interesting to learn definitively. Mm-hmm. That is, but something to ponder for sure. Hmm. So next up, we come to following, which is a total solo Michael Steele song, right? She wrote it herself and sings it and amazing. Again, this really highlights what a talent Mickey is yeah. for sure. 
And apparently there's multiple UK versions of this, people. Just really? ask Eric. He's got well, that's, he's got yeah, that's the one I was saying about how you know there was uh, a 12 inch and the special edition with the buttons and things like that. So yeah. very nice. Yes. And then the album ends with Not Like You. Um again, David Kahn sneaks in credit on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh that's another thing that irked. Debbie is like, why does he have credit on all my songs? <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Apparently so, that, that one's written about uh, her brother, David, who had just uh, came out of Red Cross as their drummer and was going through some hard times. And apparently that song's about him. Wow. That I did not know. Wow. <laughs> A connection with Red Cross, Soraya. There you go. It had to happen. Yeah. So... <laughs> Before we end, Eric, can we talk a little bit about that friction between Debbie and David mm, Kahn? Yes. So what, what have you learned um, in your discussions about that friction? When I was writing, I did not want to create a villain. Because um, okay. like I said, you know, he was doing his job as instructed by the executives at Columbia. But what he put all the bangles through, uh, starting with all over the place. It's it was difficult to remain neutral. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they talked about sometimes they would get so stressed out working with him that they would wind up in the bathroom throwing up. Wow. One of the best people I interviewed for my book was um, Margie Miz who was their, who ran their fan club, Bangles and Mash, and was also Debbie's best friend since junior high school. Wow. So she had the inside track of a lot of things that went down. So she was invaluable to me. I, I, I owe her the world. And she would say, you know, there was a little bench in the back lot behind the studio. And Debbie would just come out there and sit on the bench with her and just bawl her eyes out stressed out beyond belief that of, of working with David and uh, you know by the third album there was absolutely no way they could have worked with him again it was that was it um, so but it's, it's it's pretty well known that she was supposed to have sung Walk Like an Egyptian and and she wasn't thrilled about that song to begin with <laughs> but she was supposed to sing the whole thing and then she was supposed to sing the second verse and then David said you don't seem very into this it's like well I don't particularly like this song oh it's going to be a hit don't you want to sing a hit it's like I'd rather sing something I like so <laughs> then he started you know auditioning the other bangles and oh, wow. eventually she was just squeezed out and and then she didn't even play drums on it so when that hit and and launched them into the stratosphere it was a very empty success for debbie wow yeah i bet there's a lot of mixed feelings that goes along with that right yeah. yes but uh, she always looks like she's having fun nowadays when you or the last yeah. couple times i've seen them play it where they she jumps off the drum kit she yes, comes up yes. now she, with, with michael gone she she now gets to sing that second verse <laughs> it's, it's so everything comes around yeah <laughs> yeah all right one last thing i wanted to mention in the credits we see that um 
credited as threads for for the their outfits is Jenny Shore yeah. and and Tony Riviera and we had Jenny on our show and I think you spoke with her too Eric, oh yeah a, a bit so um Jenny was a, definitely a part um, of the band as their stylist so she gets credit on this album for threads so <laughs> that there are several cool. there are several people in, in in those credits that I that I talked to doing research for my work too so yeah any that were um, of interest, uh, I, I don't want you to tell too much about the book. Right. I want all of our listeners to get this book because, <laughs> as you can tell, Eric is full of information. And oh my gosh, for for those like me who like that kind of stuff, this book is going to be amazing. I can't wait, Eric. I can't wait. So. Well, I'll just say that I I spoke, as I mentioned, uh, Mike Gormley. Uh, I spoke to their personal. Uh, manager Pam Turboff who helped them like through the day-to-day things. Um, I talked to some roadies and to some equipment men and oh a whole slew of friends and and various people on the periphery. I bet those roadies have some good stories. Oh yeah. It's amazing Uh, not only for the success but Going back to the Paisley Underground heyday, 82, 83, it was a, the biggest challenge of writing this book was not to create a multi-volume tome about all the Paisley bands because they are right. so interconnected. It was very hard to keep it on track as a Bangles book because <laughs> everybody was helping everybody out, you know, gigging with the three o'clock or living with Steve Wynn, you know, and, and the Rain Parade and then and the Long Riders and oh, it, it's so interconnected. And you, I think that's one of the, the biggest success stories of my work is I really do demonstrate how how much of a family that was. As 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 some of your interviews have said, you know, the Paisley Underground isn't a sound, it was a collection of personalities that really loved and respected each other and those friendships still exist and I think that's amazing I think that's the best story of this whole era of music amazing Soraya I think we just got a sound bite right there I'm sorry that's it I think we better just (laughs) yeah Um, but I do Eric want to ask so for our listeners who perhaps want to find you or make sure that they get a copy of this book how can they find you on social media Right now, I am one of the moderators on a Facebook, a Bangles Facebook group, um, the Bangles Collective, which I do pride along with my fellow mods that we are different than other <laughs> Facebook groups. We are not fanboys, you know, um, plotting in our pants over pictures of Susanna in the All Nighter or something like that. We uh, <laughs> we we show respect we we also are very oriented towards history and keeping the facts straight you can catch me on there now like i said pretty soon as soon as the printers start rolling i will have links and a website for my book popping up so very very soon you guys will be the first to hear about it and um just keep your eyes peeled. Um, pretty soon, pretty soon, 
I'll be out there. Yeah. Very exciting. And we'll definitely share that. Absolutely. We'll share the link. Um, Today has been super informative. Eric, we can't thank you enough just for coming on and helping us really fleshing out this album for us. And now I'm like, now I want to go back and listen to September girls. Cause now I'm all angry that, that it's somebody else possibly <laughs> and not Vicky, but let me just hold her in my heart. I just think she's amazing, but this has been super informative. We can't wait to have you back on again. Thank you once more for taking the time out and thank joining you very us. Much. Yes. Thank yes. you both of you very much. And, and, and this show, as I said, this show has helped me a lot. I've uh, gotten bits of info from many of your interviews that led me down to other paths and uh, it's helped a lot. So Good. you were the, you were one of the first ones when I started this, I don't know how I found you at first, but you wow. were there and uh, you were with me the whole the whole ride. So that's why you guys get a special thank you in, in, in the uh, book there. <laughs> uh, well, we so, do? Oh, yes, that? absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, so like the Paisley Underground, where a group of friends connected yes. by, by a common right. love. That's Who right. Who respect one another and support one another. Right. Yes, indeed, indeed. Right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Eric. We really appreciate it. Well, you bet, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, we'll, and we'll see you soon, hopefully, in the next... Yes six to eight weeks if 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 the gods smile down upon me it should be about that time yes thank you <laughs> let's hope so all right eric well, all right wanna, thanks so much catch you on the flip side bye-bye yes. <laughs> bye-bye is your mind blown yes mine is yeah absolutely sir Cute, man. So, that's so. wild that he gave us so much info. Yeah, and and so I, I believe I'm, I'm almost certain that you're also a member of the Facebook group that Eric mentioned. And yeah, I really appreciate. I've been or I am in several Bengals Facebook groups, and a lot of them are as unfortunately as Eric described, a lot of photos um, of the band, and it's more um, about how the band looks. But if right. you on this page, Eric's posts are amazing. And he goes into detail. He had this series where he went through every song that they've ever recorded yeah. um, and some that they weren't recorded. So you have the um, a, one post about each song and he goes into um, detail about some of these songs and just paragraphs. So this makes me really excited for this book because I'm a nerd about the music. Right? I want to know about the music and learning that Eric is focusing on this pre-Manic Monday era of the band. You know, that's that's my era of the band that I really yeah. love. You know, it's that buildup of, of the Bengals, you know, and going through that garage phase and, you know, the heavy club, heavy club dates, you know, so many different places. I'm really, really intrigued. I really, really want to read the rest of it. Yes. But going back to the album that we picked today, um, my my mind's pretty blown by some of the stuff that he shared with us today. Yeah, absolutely. I have a deeper appreciation after speaking to Eric. Yeah, I mean, really, he shared some really interesting stuff today. Yeah, he really put into perspective for me the the production part of this because that's yeah. something that I have a little bit um, of 
an issue with is the production because it's for my style it's a little bit clean you know I like the rougher lo-fi stuff garagey and um it was something that I learned in our discussions early on with this podcast where I think um you highlighted that um it had to do with um the grittiness is something that I think you mentioned when we first started talking um or first started doing our podcast and that really um struck a note with me because I could never like define what it is I like about music and I do like a little bit of grittiness in in my music and you don't hear a lot of that on this album but Eric was very clear about the direction that the producer had David Kahn from his bosses to to make this band happen to make them more commercial and Eric is absolutely right David Kahn did his job and he did a great job of it because the the band just blew up with oh yeah um, so, I mean, you have to give David Kahn credit for doing what he was paid to do. Um, I mean, you can't deny what this album did, right? No, no, it's undeniable. You just can't deny it. But I think Eric presents this really interesting additional story. And that is this kind of push-pull yeah. between perhaps what the label wanted what the band was looking for and you know and then eric said you know by the third album it became really clear that they couldn't continue to work with him because you know it 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 was just an a tense environment and so you know it's just one of those things that's interesting is like how does a band you know i think everyone who has a band that they love they go, oh, you know, I knew him when. And then when they see this meteoric rise, they go, ah, the music's not that good anymore. Or like, you know, always, people always find something to pick apart. Yeah. And so it's always curious to hear that behind the scenes story of what are the building blocks to that? Absolutely. And then when you reach that, how do you maintain it? Right? And then... How does the vision, the sound, the everything, the dynamic of the band change once you're there? And I think we've, we've, you know, we've followed so many bands where it's been this, you know, up, down, up, down. And, uh, you know, it's just an interesting story, no matter how you slice it. It is an interesting story. This album alone could make a movie. From from what I'm hearing from Eric and what yeah. went on behind the scenes, I mean, just what the band was before this and uh, this period of time, I mean, it's the, I mean that story is just incredible. So much. There's a lot. There's a lot to process. Yeah. Uh, I do. I I will say I now want to see the three different versions of Falling. I know of that single. <laughs> I and do. Too. I do want to find a 12 inch single of Lewis and Clark I think we're going to have to ask Lewis if he has any in his archive but whoa that's pretty that's pretty interesting yeah absolutely yeah absolutely (sighs) Jeff this was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun Soraya even though we didn't pick Manic Monday (laughs) it was fun (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh my god mi gente agrubiar groove on paisley people
think I'm crazy or something. Always following you around, you say I'm a hopeless case. Running obsession into the ground. You call me a loser, you call me a shadow and fool. You look over your shoulder and you say I'm haunting you. Why do you call me? Why do you look for me? And why do your eyes follow me the way they do? You hold me responsible. Yes, so I stand accused. Causing all the trouble after high school Between him and you Yeah, you call me a loser You call me a shadow and fool But I was a good girl Yeah, till you taught me what it means to be true Why do you call me? Why do you? 